98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, Bigly Blast. Identity is one of those buzzwords in sports used when your team just can't get its bleep together. After three games in year four of Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals still don't have a clue who they are or how they're getting to the end zone. The Cardinals are also a Vegas miracle removed from being a full-blown disaster. And after Sunday's sleepy loss to the Rams, you can tell the fan base is on edge because the GM and the head coach have performed like men who belong on a hot seat. I mean, look at the last three drafts and behold the staggering lack of contributors. Look at the lack of urgency and coherence from an offense that has scored 30 or more points just once in the past nine games. There is a growing case to be made that this team needs a dramatic cultural overhaul. They need a hard ass like Sean Payton. They need accountability from the top down. Instead, Michael Bid will place both of them on Easy Street, extending them through 2027 where they are immune to your anger, your well-founded anger. Finally, the Cardinals have lost their last seven home games. Do you know how soft you have to be to let that happen? Do you know how low you have to burn? Any self-respecting NFL team would win one of those games on anger alone. Alas, if only they were as mad as you are. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. It's something we got to figure out like yesterday. Um, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than taking L's in your home place and and uh, team having teams come in and think, uh, that, you know, they're going to be able to just run all over us because it's home. So it's something I think we got a prideful locker room and, and we got to address it ASAP. That's Devon Kennard talking with uh, Paul Calvisi on the Cardinals Radio Network after the game the seventh consecutive home loss for the cardinals at state farm stadium uh sarah brought this up earlier last october 24th the cardinals beat the houston texans 31 to 5 that uh was their last home win so uh we're talking about 11 months without a home win Mm -hmm. four days later the cardinals played the thursday night against green bay a game they should have won Mm -hmm. they didn't and that was the beginning of the streak. Then that it was, was a loss to Carolina. Yep. Then the Rams, Indianapolis, Seattle, Kansas City, and now yep. the Rams again. Yep. And man, if you're trying to snap a home losing streak, you don't want the LA Rams coming to town because they basically own State Farm yeah. Stadium. Yeah. And they got and that game could have been much it, it, that game could have been a blowout by halftime. Allen Robinson dropped an easy touchdown pass. Cooper Cup dropped a great pass that he normally catches nine times out of ten. Um, and, and so what I'm getting at is this. At some point in time, a football team should be taking this not just personally, deeply personal. And and at some point in time, you you can't allow that to happen. You have got to be at such a level of urgency and anger just to, just to snap that streak to establish something at home. Do you know how uh, counterintuitive it is that you can't call yourself a good football team when you've lost seven consecutive home games? You just can't. You can't call yourself. I mean, take the home out of it. Well, I mean, they're in two and seven in their last nine games. But again, there's there is supposed to be something inherently 
um, helpful and inherently special yes. about playing at home. Something soothing, something reassuring. Something. Hey, something. Everything will be okay when yeah. we get back home. Yeah, and this is uh, it's it's it, this is not on the fans. We've re- we've had to repeat ourselves many different times because you know they're still getting um, a good amount of people coming out to the games. Yesterday was not packed to the rafters, but there were a lot of Cardinals fans there yesterday, and and it's it's just a shame that every time they play a home game now. The ending of the game looks exactly the same. It's just a matter of when disappointed fans begin streaming for the exits. <laughs> is it early in the fourth quarter? Is it after the third? Is it late in the game? When is it? That's and it it's rinse repeat all that stuff. And it it's really this this is the part that I just I I'm having a hard time reconciling. I just don't know how this football team after seven consecutive home losses doesn't take the field with their hair on fire. It's not that they're. It's not only that they're bad. It's that they're not even exciting. That like they're not even energy, entertaining right. to watch. Yeah. Listen, and it's. I, I really like what Dave Pasha had to say. We're going to get back into the the offense and the state of it in the next segment, but because I think there's a lot there. But I I just think emotionally, this football team. Just how do you let this happen? This is your home. Yeah. It's it's a mystery, especially. I mean. This was a playoff team. If, if the Cardinals had established themselves over the last few years as a bad team, I mean, two years ago, they were decent. Last mm-hmm. year, they were a playoff team that floundered late. I get it. Um, but you're getting to the point, and you, you talked about it. You, you want to know how loud the fan base would be right now if not that week two win in Las Vegas? Oh, Oof. That kind of, you know, put everything on pause and gave a little yeah. bit of hope. And, yeah. you know, last week we were having the conversations, which, which team is which? Did, did the Cardinals finally crack the code on what's holding them back mm-hmm. in that second half against the Raiders? That was answered unequivocally. No, they haven't cracked the code. I think the Raiders were just as responsible for what happened in Las Vegas as the Cardinals Without were. Without a doubt. Uh, and you have a chance to build on that, and you come out sleepwalking again. When you go back and you take a look at all these games, so the, the, all three games of this season, I think we can safely assume that the offense has really kind of been ugh. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go back to last year. The playoff game. Clearly, they were garbage. Uh, they they scored thirty in a thirty-eight to thirty loss to the Seahawks. A very bad Seahawks team, by the way. Uh, they had a good game in Dallas, as you pointed out. That's really their last good game. When you when you look at this team in full, yeah. that was on January second in Dallas. That was their last good game. Prior to that, they scored sixteen points at home against the Colts. They scored twelve points on the road against the Lions. Those are very, very, very impotent offensive performances. So you you wonder where is the juice? Where so? And I think there are two different things here. I, I think you can look at the offense, which we're looking at next, and you can also look at just the emotional state of this football team. And I just, for the life of me, I don't understand how how they have not taken this personal to the point where it affects their performance in a good way. Yeah. Well, guess what? Uh, you go on the road at Carolina, mm-hmm. and it's always funny to see how this. You, you think of the schedule a certain way when it comes out, mm-hmm. and then your thinking shifts. And my thought on the schedule was, this is a very tough schedule. It's getting tougher. Their next home game, after the trip to Carolina, right. who always hands them their lunch, yep. they're playing arguably the best team in the NFL in the Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. That is a team That's that right. has ultimate belief right now. Yeah, that team is... that team. 
not to use a bad pun, they're flying high right now. They really are. Uh, and then they got to go in the road and play Seattle. And if we've known anything, it's the more exposure this Cardinals offense has to teams, the less uh, powerful it is. Now, all these teams in the division, they've all seen Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury's office repeated amounts of times. Last two times, they've been no threat to the Rams. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing, too, and and, and I'll tease this. We'll Mm -hmm. leave it here. We'll get back to it on the other side. If people point at that game against New Orleans on October 20th, the Thursday night game in Glendale, that's when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. DeAndre Hopkins coming back is not an elixir to fix everything. There's likely going to be a reacclimation to this offense because, let's face it, DeAndre Hopkins didn't play at the end of last year either and didn't play in the preseason. I'm not sure three practices... Not even three pr- full practices Yeah, uh, on a short week like that. I'm not sure that's going to be, again, the magic panacea that fixes everything offensively. It might take time for him to get reacclimated. Yeah, and by that time, Listen, it's probably too late right. if you and, don't have it figured out by then. Yeah, and again, it's just it, we've known for seven months about DeAndre Hopkins. Now, mm-hmm. it's not been that long, but it's been it's been months so they've had plenty of time to prepare for this. And this is what you give me! 28-5! <laughs> we'll continue to pick apart the offense uh, in the uh, Cardinals' loss and what we've seen this season next. On this Big Red Monday, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the garbage you give me! Here we go! Blink! Yeah! Big Red Monday and Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We just uh, offensively got to find more consistency and, and find a way to, to score early and, and get in rhythm. That's been the theme of our season is, is uh, playing from behind, and, and it kind of gets us out of our game plan, and uh, we haven't haven't clicked on, on all cylinders just yet. But um, guys played hard. They continue to battle. It's just, just disappointing to just come away with field goals. That was Cliff Kingsbury talking about the uh, failures offensively. Cardinals, 81 offensive plays, zero of them ended with a touchdown. Uh, that is something, 80 or more plays, no touchdown, something that's happened only yeah. 28 times since the AFL merger. And the first wow. time since 2018. By the way, the Cardinals uh, are one of the three teams in that span to not lose a game under those circumstances. Uh, they tied Seattle. Remember that epic 6-6 tie? Mm-hmm. That was a game with more than 80 plays. They had 90 plays in that game and no touchdowns. But uh, that was kind of a big indicator on how punchless this offense is. And remember, Cliff Kingsbury was brought here four years ago to sculpt this this revolutionary offense. We still have not seen the Cardinals have a 40-point game under Cliff no. Kingsbury. And he alluded to it there in that soundbite. We uh, were not really very good at playing from behind, yet they start out very slow. Last year, they were a great front-running team, not good when they fell behind, and that's continued this year. There's just a lot of flaws, I think, in the design of Without this whole a doubt. thing. Well, yeah, and yeah, no, listen, I that that I think you just kind of bullseye. Doing, doing, doing. I think when you look at this, this offense has this offense been detonated and figured out by opposing defenses. Whereas the only thing that's going to produce one of those games is if Kyler Murray goes nuts. And it used to be you could quantify this when things were rolling good for this team last year. Thirty points, they seem to score that routinely. Go back and look at the records. Mm-hmm. There's a whole host of 30-point performances from this football team. Those are gone. 
those those have disappeared. So that that seems to be to be a plateau, something that this football team needs to hit to to kind of you know prove that they are actually a competent offense. So t- Kyler's improvisation and going nuts should supplement an already good offense. It should take it to the next level. Like what Jalen Hurts does, you know, in, yeah. in the Eagles. It's right. not, they're not 100% relying on it, yeah. but it's what makes them elite. Yeah. And so so what we've got now, we've got after two of these losses, Kyler Murray has been not very happy with with his teammates. And and yet at the same time, I don't think Kyler Murray was all that sturdy at the start of yesterday's game. And and I think all this stuff uh, plays together. Um, after the game, there was uh, one little contentious uh, exchange between Greg Moore, a columnist for uh, AZ Central, and Cliff Kingsbury. Check this out. The receivers you've got left are small, but they block a lot, screenplays and that. Have you thought about changing up the scheme and ditch some of that stuff to, to maximize what they do well? Um, so don't ask them to block? Don't call screenplays if you got a five foot four wide receiver standing out there trying to block a safety. Yeah, I mean he should have outside release that, so I, I got it. But yeah, we're gonna um, continue just asking to do their job. Yeah. Have you considered asking them to do different jobs? Yeah, I mean we're asking them to run routes and block. So you can tell a little tension there, and I think what what the question gets at, I think, is a is a a serious question right here and now, and that is, where is this offense going? Where does it go from here? How does it create points? How does it take this team where it wants to go? I think those are very legitimate questions. Now, you can, we can't just be waiting for DeAndre Hopkins to return. No. Why haven't they figured out how to utilize... Trey McBride, a two tight end set. They're having all these injuries, obviously, with the wide receivers. Get creative with your other weapons. I mean, another offensive question. Are they too reliant in the run game on James Conner? Doesn't have any explosion. It it doesn't appear to. And I looked at the numbers. James Conner last year had a really good season. We know Mm -hmm. most of his value was in the red zone. He had 15 red zone touchdowns last year. Um. He was a game-time decision. He played. Give him credit for that. He's a really tough guy. He's averaging 2.9 yards per first first down run. It's not good. That's not good. No. Last year, they, they relied on him to do that. Almost four yards a pop on, yeah. on first down. That's a huge difference. Yeah, it is. It really is. And so this is kind of, again, relative to the blast, I think these are the, the pieces that have have the fan base nuts because they want to know why why these why these people are being rewarded when when we are collectively seeing something quite the opposite. And, and that's a very troubling question going forward. But in terms of getting this offense fixed, uh, my issues here is once again, as Greg said in the question, throwing football passes behind the line. If that's no way to live either, as Dave Pash said in the in in the previous hour, they got to take some shots downfield and on some level, smart shots downfield, not desperate, smart shots. They gotta. That that to me is the first step in all of this. They need to kind of get more dynamic and less predictable. It yeah. seems like the teams that they play now that have played them frequently know everything that's coming. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, in uh, his interview with Paul Calvisi, was asked about uh, emphasizing uh, downfield passes. Yeah, I, I think with with that team, you know, they do a good job of trying to keep things in front of them. So you got to pick your spots, and we had, a, like you said, had a couple opportunities, and we're close. Um, but we got to find a way against a team like that to, to make those. I said it after the Kansas City game. Uh, I'll say it again: the Cardinals' offense, in terms of how they use their wide receivers in the passing game, is predicated on here's a two yard dump off pass. See if you can make something happen yeah. with your legs and break a tackle. Right. To use your phrase that you just used, that's no way to live. No, not in the NFL. That's not you. You can't get away with that kind of stuff. So unless you're Mitch Trubisky, that's all you do. That's <laughs> right. And it, listen, it, and that's, that's not the offense you want to run. Nope. No, no. You you don't want to run check down offenses. It just it's just not. It's Nobody not ever inspiring. says, give me the full Trubisky on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't happen. No, they don't. Does not no, happen. they do not. Uh, coming up next, we'll shift our focus to the defensive side of the ball. Pretty valiant effort on that side, to be honest, but still a lot of questions like the linebacking position and where's the pass rush. All that and more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bye, bro. Bye. Big Red Monday and Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. I think VJ does a great job with adjustments and, and just uh, slow him down. And Sean is a great play caller and comes out with his you know, first 10 or 15 and, and always really good there. So I thought we settled in and, and played hard. That was Cliff Kingsbury yesterday uh, after the Cardinals lose to the Rams talking about the adjustments from Vance Joseph defensively. Uh, and it was a rough start for them as well. Three scoring mm-hmm. drives to start out for the Rams. They had a field goal and then a touchdown drive, then another field goal drive. But, you know, in the second quarter, there was two drives and then the first drive of the third quarter, Bick, where the Rams offense really struggled finding its footing. And a lot of that had to do with what the Cardinals were doing defensively. But uh, we've talked so much about slow starts. And I think most of that attention goes to how the offense is starting these games. Yeah. The defense has started slow, too. They've given up a lot of first quarter points. And we saw that again yesterday. The difference is... You know, the adjustments that were made defensively and at the end of it, and I know Gambo wrote about this too on ArizonaSports.com in, in, in the rapid reactions thing, is if, if you would have said, hey, Cooper Cup's going to have 44 yards receiving, you'd feel pretty good about it. If yeah. you said, hey, the Rams are going to score 20 points at State Farm Stadium, you'd feel pretty good about it. Now, I think the defensive performance, quite honestly, was still good enough for the Cardinals to win a game if they had a competent offense. Yeah, the, and yes. I see. This is what I what I think is happening is on defense. I think that I think the rosters. Uh, challenged from a talent standpoint. I think I've made that very, very clear. I think the secondary might be routing into something better than I thought based on the play of, of Byron Murphy Jr. Uh, but I think their linebackers uh, are a disaster, and I think they do not generate any pass rush at all outside of J.J. Watt. So I think this is a very limited defense, but I think what we have seen is that through the course of games, they make adjustments. Vance Joseph does different things, and, and he gets his team to respond. Because you know the, the Rams did what they wanted for the better part of the you know first quarter, and then suddenly the defense stands up and they force three consecutive three outs, three and outs, and then the Rams get the ball to start the second half, and JJ Watt gets a big sack, and boom, three and out again, and you're like, wow, where where is this coming from? So, and then at the end of the game, Buda Baker and and Jalen Thompson. 
teaming up on forcing a key turnover on the goal line. Mm-hmm. It was about to be 27 to 9. And they at least forced a turnover that at least gave them another breath of life. I've got no issues with the defense relative to the talent they bring to the field. Yeah. It just, it's, listen, we heard all offseason how great this running back room is. So great we got to keep five running backs. Where's the running game then? It's true. You got five running backs. You raved about them all. Where is the running game? But there still continues on the defensive side he, of the ball to be big issues in, in the in the front seven. You take away J.J. Watt, who didn't even play in the first week. He's got both of the sacks this year for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. The Arizona Cardinals, through three weeks, are tied for the least amount of sacks in the game. Yeah. Uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. And Max Crosby has both of their sacks. They're the only two teams with two sacks through three weeks. Um, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. They were counting on on Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, Dennis Gardeck. And mm-hmm. not only are the sacks not there, there hasn't been a ton of pressures uh, put on. You know, we, we talked about it last week. How important is it to put Matthew Stafford into those situations where he's under duress because he's turnover prone? He had five interceptions going into mm-hmm. the game. Cardinals didn't come close to picking one off yesterday. No. Because uh, it was very little pressure. The linebackers, I agree with you, man. This linebacking core. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's going to talk about Simmons and Collins, and with good reason. Um, Zave and Collins continues to do technique things over and over again. I mean, Kyle Vandenbosch brought that up with us in the preseason about Zave and Collins. What are you doing taking on blocks with your, your shoulders. shoulders? Yeah. And he got blown up by a wide receiver yesterday, and he had made strides. And then there was that that drive was disastrous because he missed yeah. he missed the sack on Stafford, and then uh, got blown up and actually got hurt on that play. The Isaiah Simmons thing is just is, is puzzling to me. It's it's confounding to me. A, 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 a bad Isaiah Simmons can still probably impact things more than a dialed in Ben Neiman. With all due respect to Ben Neiman or a Nick Vigil or a Tanner Vallejo. Especially after Simmons made the biggest play in the game last week, you think that would have given him yes. some momentum into this but game. Vance Joseph on Thursday said Isaiah Simmons is one of the few guys on our team that can make a play like that. Mm-hmm. Then get him on the field, right? <laughs> right, and and again, and then it's and, and they have packages for him. I guess that just wasn't right. And so scheme. Vance Joseph, how's, how's that working? Yeah, so I, again, I don't understand any of it because especially, like I said, he was introduced with the starting lineup. So why would you do that? Is is that an ego-driven thing? Is that a please, we're going we're gonna to prop you up to try to get these performances out of you? And why would a kid who, who's predicting stardom for himself be practicing so poorly based on comments coming from his coaching staff? I, I don't. Yeah. If he's such a bad practicer, why did they give him the green dot? To start the well, year, there's that. Yeah, there's also they misread that man. so yeah. badly. Oh yeah, how about it? How about it? It's the first time we've had green dot on today's show. I vowed to a <laughs> yeah, listener sorry. I would not bring yeah. that up. I well, no, it just yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so so there's that. There's the fact that yeah, you got a lot of injuries to wide receivers. Why don't you function with two tight ends more often then? I mean, there are options here. You drafted one in the second round. What is what's going on? One in the on second round that was so good you couldn't pass on him. But I, that was such we a talent. A promo here. Wolf Raven about this kid said he he hasn't been more excited about a kid since Tyron Matthew. Where did that come from? Where, where is that guy? He has not caught a ball in competition yet for the Cardinals. Yeah, Even going back to preseason. So I mean these these high leverage draft picks that are just whiff whiff whiff. But we spent a good portion, basically after draft day, 
uh, when the Cardinals swung the deal for, for Hollywood Brown. Since that time, it has just been this really long, continuing conversation about what are they doing personnel-wise? I can see this from the outside, from where I sit, that this is an area of need. They have not addressed those needs. Uh, where they did wide receiver by trading for Hollywood Brown, that depth has even uh, has even been challenged. Yeah, injuries happen, and I just figured it out. You did. It's the teams that you know we haven't heard next man up too much. Remember when that became a real battle cry for the Cardinals? Yeah, I do. Next man Very up. Well. You, know, you know why that was? Because they actually had faith in their depth. Because they did a good job of building depth in yeah, 2015. That was did. a team that was built to play for a championship. Yeah, it was. You don't hear next man up because depth was ignored largely for the offseason. So when you have an injury, you're playing a that's guy well that shouldn't said. be playing. That's well said. Yeah, there is a lot of that going on. Next and, Isabella up. <laughs> and there's and you're right and and because they drafted so poorly that has also negatively affected the depth it wasn't just adding pieces look um i'll concede this it was very very wise to not sign chandler jones he he is He's been a ghost oh my goodness raiders fans are going okay h- how do we add chandler jones and Devontae adams and actually get worse how does that happen so, so I'll, I'll Josh that. McDaniels. But, but right, <laughs> but at the same time, they didn't really bring in anybody else to uh, to rush the passer. So, man, I don't know where this thing is going, but they've uh, throughout all of this, they've what won nine of their last ten road games. So this is sort of this is almost a must win road game because I got news for you: when the Eagles come to town in two weeks here. Do you know how many Eagles fans are going to be in that building? Do you know how well the Eagles fans travel? Do you know how packed Eagles ba- bars are in the Valley? Eagles. Oh, they're coming. That stadium is going to go from red to green. Oh, you're right. And I don't know why people are complain- complaining about this draft class. I got uh, mm-hmm. I got eight snaps yesterday from the draft class. Eight eight season high? Snaps. Eight. I believe it's season high. Season high. Trey, okay. Mc- Trey McBride allegedly played five snaps. Allegedly? Cameron <laughs> Thomas played three. Oh, gosh. Yeah. My Jay Sanders? Not, did not dress. Nothing? Him. No, okay. didn't dress. Well, can't get on the field if you're naked. <laughs> That's a good. I don't think I've ever heard you say that joke before, Jared. That sounds remarkably well rehearsed for for a joke I've never heard before. Uh, coming up next, we'll take a little respite from Big Red Monday and breaking down the Cardinals because it's Suns Media Day. But not everything is happy on Planet Orange either. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Oh, believe it or not, basketball is almost here. Media Day today for the Phoenix Suns happens at uh, 10 a.m., so you'll hear a lot from Media Day, and there's a lot of different storylines, and we'll hit on a couple of those storylines right now. Uh, I'll read a tweet from... Jake Crowder. All right. Uh, One must seek work where he is wanted, where he is needed. I am thankful for what these past two years have taught me. Now I must take on another challenge with continued hard work and dedication. For those of you who closed the door on me, thank you. 
99 back soon. Uh, Jay Crowder will not be at Media Day. He will not be at training camp. The Suns, Jay Crowder, his people, trying to engineer a trade for him to go elsewhere. So he will not finish his three-year contract in Phoenix. We don't know the reasons mm-hmm. for the displeasure. We know that Jay Crowder has been very active in being cryptic on social media about unhappiness. Uh, and now at least we have uh, some resolution to it that they're working on a deal. But like I said before, Bick, I hate that the Suns are operating from a position of weakness now because this could not be kept under wraps by a player who got a little bit uh, you know, too active on social media with his desire to leave. Yeah, that is that is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that it's going to color the way people remember or look at Jay Crowder because I do think that uh, for a minute or so he was a real uh, beloved figure. Uh, athlete in the valley for a lot of different reasons. He had two of the mo- more iconic moments in recent Suns history with the salsa dance and the F.J. Crowder t-shirt. Well, you're missing a couple. Yeah, there's, the, 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 the pass grimace, on the valley oop. Yeah, the pass on the valley oop and the grimace to LeBron James. The uh, stop crying, LeBron look. So there's four of them by my count. And, but uh, this is. Um, it's disappointing to me because people have speculated this is because he has been told Cam Johnson is going to be the starting power forward. And if that's the case, it's a perfectly understandable decision in my opinion. I do think you look at the potential of Cam Johnson, you look at the athleticism, you look at the shooting ability, and the, his role has to be expanded. His yeah. game has to be expanded for the for the Suns to continue to grow. And and I, I think Jay Crowder brought a lot of good stuff to this team, a lot of tough a lot of swagger. Yeah, he'll d up anybody. He won't back down from anybody. You know, he he can be an okay rebounder. I wouldn't call him a good rebounder. Yeah. Keep in mind, they're now losing JaVale McGee and Jay Crowder. Yeah. Two of yeah. those toughness guys. Yeah. They, no. they definitely will miss that element. But let me add another wrinkle to not only does it appear evident that, hey, Cam Johnson's going to be elevated to start at the four. Dario Saric is back. And Dario Saric has a couple things that Jay Crowder doesn't, uh, and that is better size. Mm-hmm. He's a better rebounder. Mm-hmm. And Dario Saric went healthy, and he played in Eurobasket and looked really good. So we mm-hmm. have to assume he's healthy okay. and going to play a role for this team. The offense flows well when Dario Saric is in there. I, I do thought, agree with that. Is that role not backup center? They have Bismack Biombo for that. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think you'll see Sharich play four and five at yeah, times I don't, this year. I don't think you can lean on Bismack Biombo as being the backup, as being your number two five all year long. I, think I don't it, think so. I think he, it, that's got to be a shared role. But hey, that's but just, they also have Landell in that role too. So okay, there's a little bit more size, I and mean, we don't know what kind of role Jock Landell's yeah, going mean, to play. I, right. Uh, I'm curious. I, to, I hope we're not ba- banking on Jock Landell. Please tell me you're not pinning these men's hopes to a phone bill. Remember that line from A Few Good Men? I love that line from uh, Jack Nicholson. Anywho. Uh, that was your Jack Nicholson impression. <laughs> you gonna rip, were you going to rip on me about impressions? I thought Jack? you were doing Reagan there for a second. <laughs> I liked your impression Friday of somebody who's never sung before. That oh, was cool. Oh, <laughs> who's so never heard, on, who's so defensive. Who's never heard music wow. before? Jared's cake was great. me on that. Yeah, it was. Wow. It was. It was, was pretty because it was less horrible than your other. Yeah. Boy, like God, yeah. I'm so you defensive. Put, you poked the bear, Jarrett. I'm sorry, I <laughs> insulted your Jack Nicholson. Impression. Curious to see um, how much is is talked about Jay Crowder, or if there's a lot of deflection. Um, because well, again, they're, they're obviously 
actively negotiating the, to try to get him out of town, too. Well, it, well in, in a sure sign that a team is frustrated with a player, they're having the player's agent broker the deal. Mm-hmm. They've allowed them to, to try to execute a trade. In other words, we didn't ask for this. We don't want to be bothered with this headache. Or maybe it's to the point where we tried to trade you and nobody wanted you, yeah. so now it's on well, your plate well, now. That's clearly, that's clearly but that's the case. that's the thing about Jay Crowder that's frustrating, too, is his skill set and where he is in his career, mm-hmm. he's not attractive to 29 other teams. The Utah Jazz and San Antonio Spurs, they might have pieces the Suns want, but they want no part of Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder fits a mold. And he wants to compete for championships, mm-hmm. and somebody will find a, a, a spot for him to help him play that role on a yeah. championship contending team. That's what's frustrating. Yeah, listen, so so I, I think that there's going to be a lot of questions about Jay Crowder. I think there's going to be a lot of questions about Robert Sauer. Oh, yeah. And it's going, to, it's going to effectively shield this basketball team from dwelling extensively on what in the heck happened at the end of last year, mm-hmm. of which we've been able to piece together. You know when you build a jigsaw puzzle, they always tell you look for the right angle so you can build the frame? I feel that's what we've done on this radio program. I think we have been able to kind of unearth enough little bits of detail slash gossip slash stuff that we have kind of built the frame mm-hmm. around what happened last year in the playoffs. Um, so so I think that this stuff, the Robert Sarver story, the Jay Crowder story, these are going to be the fr- these are going to be the top of the brain kind of questions. And and so, you know. So maybe the basketball team will be spared from too much introspection about the Mavericks series. But again, it's it, what what they're running back with is going to be a team that's significantly different than that team. So it's they're not running it back either. Yeah, true. Uh, I just I'm curious to see what kind of piece they can get back for Jay Crowder. Uh, in, yeah. in, uh, in terms of the Sarver situation, mm-hmm. as we expected, it's coming up in other media days around the league. Uh, Golden State had their media day on Sunday. Uh, Steph Curry was asked about that situation, reacted to it. I think the outcome was exactly what should have happened. I think uh, I had conversations with Adam Silver directly and kind of got his point of view of what decisions and, uh, I guess, mechanisms he had to intervene and, and bring down a punishment that was worthy of, you know, the, the actions that you know, we're, we're all responding to and representing the, the league as a, as a, as a whole and protecting the integrity of the league and you know the the standard that we we set in terms of from execs ownership all the way down to players there should be a standard around you know what, what's tolerable and what's not and so again the outcome was exactly what it should have been honestly i thought with the punishment that was handed down it would probably drag out a little longer but i'm glad that we kind of got to the point where uh hopefully the team's up for sale sooner than later and you can kind of move on knowing that's that's where it should be. So for Braun, CP, Draymond, everybody using their platforms to speak on it, even Adam, you know, picking up the phone and answering calls from, you know, your top players who have vested interests in protecting the league as well, all that stuff matters. And you want to have kind of swift responses and reactions to stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and it, it, it's, um, I guess, Stephen Curry having the same reaction that a lot of us had. Like, I thought this would drag on a little bit more. The result is exactly I think what Adam Silver wanted all along and he took the brunt of the criticism at that Mm -hmm. press conference, but uh, that, what was deemed um, a pretty lax punishment for for Robert Sarver and all of that, the year suspension and the $10 million fine, 
that was enough to get the ball rolling in terms of public reaction. And public reaction shapes a lot of things in 2022. Let's not be let's not well, be dishonest yeah. about it. And and I think it it did all look st- very very strategic from you know mm-hmm. LeBron going first to CP3 going next to then Draymond who very strategically challenged the owners to vote, letting letting the board of governors know. We we might demand this. We we might be demanding. And then this rumor that Michael Jordan was ready to step in and and speak up on behalf of owners against it. Yeah, I, I think that they affected the change that they they wanted to affect. It was interesting, Steph saying that he called Adam Silver to discuss it too. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, it, it's, it's so there. So there was that. Um, I think media day is going to be interesting in a lot of places today. I think it's going to be interesting in Brooklyn. What is Kevin Durant going to sound like? Oh, he already oh, it's, he already spoke. Oh, has he really? Yeah. Oh, he's had some money moments already. Oh, really? Uh, there was yeah. one quote about his trade request. This is from Alex Schiffer. Uh, Durant said, uh, "All that happened last season put some uncertainty in his head that the Nets could contend moving forward." Said he voiced them to Joe Sy, and we quote unquote move forward. Said he likes what Marks has done with the roster so far. He also said he isn't surprised that he's still with Brooklyn. Quote, I know that I'm that good that you're not just going to give me away. That's one thing I did appreciate about Sean Marks and Joe Sy. <laughs> Is that they said to him, you're too good to just give away? Yes. Wow. Oh, wow. Not, we couldn't wow. get enough for you. Yep, there he is on the screen. Yeah, there he, he is. is. Okay. Black and white Brooklyn uniform. I'm sure. Yeah, he, that, looks that, all happy. He, he, he looks, looks ecstatic oh, yeah. to be there. Yeah. I'm thrilled. I'm sure the Celtics media day has been a whole lot of fun. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that one I don't think has started yet. Ooh. Yeah. They might want to cancel it. They might want to cancel that one. <laughs> cancel them. That's, that's an ugly you know, situation. Seth Wickersham has to be there, right, Vinny? <laughs> Come on, he's your Boston Irish name. <laughs> Uh, coming up next, we'll hit some so I'm afraid to do any voices yeah, or, okay. or uh, impressions right now. Oh, no. Oh, Come the on. critiques are harsh. Uh, coming up next, we'll hit some social studies with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.